I will mention that I met Pastor Dave Nichols about a year ago this last week. About. That's pretty close. Um, he was at a pastor's conference that I went to and uh, grew to love his heart and just what he has to share. And so I asked if he'd come share some of his journey and then uh, from the Word as well. And um, has a, some unique giftings, and we just thank the Lord for him. So just that's it. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. That's a kind of an Af African wake-up call for you here today. <laughs> Hello. That was just some raw, uncut footage uh, off of the fields, and uh, that was from Tanzania. And uh, we've done many crusades there, had a wonderful time serving Jesus there. That guy, I, I selected that piece of footage because he was in a long line of people to testify about healing, but he wanted to get saved, too. <laughs> so that's what you call a double header. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Get him healed and get him saved. We have found all over the world that when the power of God is demonstrated to change things, even physically in people's lives, and Jesus is glorified, they want to have a relationship with this Jesus and know him as Savior and Lord. And it's amazing. Well, as Pastor John said, I'm David Nichols, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. And again, remember what he also said tonight at 7 o'clock, we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to really spend probably some more time on healing, physical healing of the body tonight than we are this morning. Um, and uh, we're just believing God to do many powerful things here. Um, Pastor also asked me to kind of just tell you who I am. So I'll kind of back up way to the beginning. Um, I grew up in church. How many of you here grew up in church? I actually went with my mom for nine months first. <laughs> I saw church from the inside out. <laughs> and uh, a lot of it was good. And uh, I really grew up with a desire in my heart to know God and to serve him. And I was called by God into the ministry. I resisted at first. But uh, there were some seeds of some things that were planted in my early life and things that I acted upon myself that actually made me into a Pharisee. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the speaker used to be a Pharisee. Go, go ahead, tell your neighbor. <laughs> okay, now, those of you that don't know what a Pharisee is, they were Jesus' worst opponents in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Uh, they were the religious leaders. They thought they had it all figured out, and they opposed Jesus, as you know, on so many occasions. And I didn't think I was a Pharisee. I, I Through my high school years, I kind of really didn't like school that much. And I graduated from high school knowing I was supposed to go to Bible college, and, and so I did. And uh, I was on the dean's list, too, by the way, but the dean has two lists. <laughs> and I was on the bad list the, fir the first time I went, because I just didn't really want to study. And... Uh, then I met my wife, and uh, she got me all straightened out. No, <laughs> she has been she has been a great blessing in my. And by the way, greetings from her. My wife Sherry sends her greetings and love to all of you. Uh, she could not come on this trip, but um, she's an amazing woman of God. But uh, after that, for a while, we started having kids, and uh, my wife actually has a son for every college I went to, and we have four. So. <laughs> And uh, something flipped in me, and I really started getting into education. And uh, in fact, you're going to love the university that I ultimately graduated from with my PhD. You're going to love the name of this place. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're going to love this. Go ahead. Everybody scream right out loud. What university did you graduate from, doctor? 
Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> How good is that? You come to Marquette and you're from Marquette. Wow, hallelujah. <laughs> but as I said, um, I was on my way to being and, and becoming a Pharisee. And I didn't really know it. And I became a pastor, I became a college professor, and I know some of you are going, boy, that's a scary thought, you know. <laughs> um, and I was. I had, what happened to me, actually, happened in uh, May of 1997. I actually was the academic dean of a college in North Dakota, and I was driving my car down the road there in May, and it was my custom to, now you young people, this is so long ago, we had these things called cassette tape players in our cars, <laughs> okay? I know it's unimaginable to you, but it was, it's true. And um, I was playing the Bible on tape, and the passage that came up was Matthew chapter 23, Jesus' longest, harshest denunciation of the Pharisees. I didn't plan that, it's just what happened that day. And something happened in my car there as I was driving. The presence of God came in very, very strong. And I began to weep. I just, I didn't know why. The power of the word and the power of the spirit, and I'm, I'm just cry driving down the road in North Dakota, but out there it's no problem. There's nothing to hit, you know. You just, <laughs> Feel the shoulder once in a while, bring her back, you're good, you know. <laughs> and uh, after some time of driving like that, the presence of Jesus just came so strong in my car, and he said this one thing to me, are you a Pharisee? And I was undone. I mean, I was like, how could I be a Pharisee? <laughs> And I look back on it now and say, well, I was a perfect candidate. <laughs> but, but Jesus arrested me on that road in North Dakota. And for three days, I was incapacitated. I, I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. I just laid on the floor in my bedroom. I knelt by the bed. I just was weeping, crying, and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, what, what in the world is going on here? Well, we had arranged... Um, before, before this happened, my parents were actually uh, pastoring a church in Tomahawk, Wisconsin at the time. And uh, we had arranged for my wife and I and our youngest son and them to uh, go to the revival that was happening down in Pensacola, Florida. Thought, well, we'll go down and check it out. You know, we'll give it our inspection, you know, see if it meets our approval. <laughs> And uh, so we did. We now call this trip in our family four Pharisees and a boy go to revival. <laughs> and uh, we got down there. And the first thing we saw was the line. There was always a line of people waiting to get in the church. It hardly mattered what hour of the day. Those of you that went, you, you probably saw this. And we saw the line and we said, oh boy going to have to stand in a line in the hot Florida sun. This was June, okay? I love Florida in January, but in June you can have it, okay? I'd rather be up here, okay? And so we got in line, and we were Pharisees. So we were judging the people that were in the line. There were drug addicts there, pimps, prostitutes. And after a while, it occurred to me, oh, yeah, this is a revival. That's right. People are supposed to get saved, you know, <laughs> supposed to come to Jesus, supposed to get their lives turned around. But we were full of this, I was, full of this judgment and critical spirit. So it came time for the line to move and people to go into the church. And so we started moving forward, and the cutoff came about, three people right in front of me, where the cutoff was to get in the main building or you had to go into the overflow. 
Oh boy, that's not a good thing to do to a Pharisee. <laughs> Drive all this way, stand in this line all day out here in this hot sun, and now I gotta sit in the overflow and watch this thing on TV. <laughs> that's what I was doing on the inside. Oh, on the outside, I was cool. You know, I was, hey brother, how you doing? Wonderful to be here at Revival. Isn't God good? <laughs> you know, that's the problem with Pharisees. The bad stuff's on the inside. They look good on the outside. And uh, we went through the worship that night. The man got up there and started to preach. And the presence of God came into that place. And bless his heart, our son, Dan, walked up, responded to that altar call that first night in the overflow. But I was too hard and I was too proud. After all, I was an academic dean of a Bible college. I was preparing people for the ministry. I'm the guy that had been in church since before he was born. All right. And so we got back to the motel that night and we had a conference amongst ourselves well if we're going to get into the main building we're going to have to get out there early in the morning and stand in line all day <laughs> so we did and the second night we got into the main building hallelujah and I did pretty good through the whole service till we got to the end. And one of the features of the altar call that they had there, they had this teenage girl that got up there and sang that mercy seat song almost every night. And when it came to that, I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and I got up and I ran to that altar under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And my little Pharisee bride was right behind me, and we slid in. <laughs> and we laid on that carpet down there for over an hour, just weeping and groaning and crying and repenting, coming to Jesus. Now, hey, I'm, I'm the guy that taught the doctrine of salvation, okay? for a long time before all this happened. Being born again, all I can say to you is here, all I know for sure is I got born again again. <laughs> and I needed to. And something changed that night and we began to have our eyes lifted to the reality that Church is not just a corporation. Church is not just a, a thing you do on Sunday because there's nothing else to do. We got in love with Jesus once again. Can you say amen to that today? Radically in love with Jesus. And um, things began to change. I'll never forget the day I was actually uh, teaching at North Central University at the time in Minneapolis. I came home from work, and it wasn't that it was totally out of the blue. My wife and I had talked about this somewhat before, but not at this level. I came home from work and I said to her, hey, hon, I think we're supposed to just leave all this and check out of it and go out on the road and live by faith. <laughs> You know what she said? I mean, that's leaving a salary, a position, a full professorate, benefits, all that stuff. You know what she said? Everyone scream right out loud. What did she say, doctor? She said, let's go. <laughs> and we went. That was year 2000. And uh, we had three sons out of four that had become prodigals. Uh, some of it in response of our pharisaical approach to them, to be honest with you. Some of it was their fault. Some of it was ours. And in three and a half years of trusting Jesus and learning to love them unconditionally, 
All three of them came back to Jesus. And now they're married to godly wives, hallelujah, and they're producing grandchildren, hallelujah. <laughs> we actually have 18 grandchildren now, hallelujah. We read in the Bible about be fruitful and multiply, remember? So, so we said, okay, <laughs> here we go. Hallelujah. So we've been doing this uh, Heart of the Father Ministries for 18 years now. God has thrown us out to the nations. We've preached to over a million people face-to-face -face in crusades and other settings. We've seen over 350,000 of them step forward to receive Jesus as their Savior. But uh, a marking and a stamp that has been on this ministry ever since we launched in the year 2000 has been this unconditional love of the Father. And that's what was missing before. And I'm here to tell you today, wherever you're at in your walk, in your life, there is an unconditional love that the Father in heaven has for you. And he sent his son Jesus down here to prove that. And it's when you look at Jesus that you begin to understand who the Father is. And then you begin to understand what Jesus did for us. First of all, what he left. He left the perfection and the beauty and the glory of heaven to come down here, never stop being God, and yet he took on the body and soul of a human being, the God-man, God and man together in one person. Set aside the active exercise of his divine attributes, and yet was still fully God. Jesus chose to operate down here as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, that's why he did no miracle. That's why he did no teaching until he stood at the Jordan River with John and was first baptized in water. And then the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. I say that today to encourage you because many of you here are filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm here to tell you, you can do everything Jesus did. Hallelujah. Go ahead, say it. You're out of your mind, doctor. I forgot to warn you about that, okay? Yes, I am. I'm getting out of my mind, and I'm getting into the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. And I have seen enough in these last 18 years to confidently assure you that every miracle, every healing, every supernatural occurrence that is told in this book is true and that it's still happening today in the world that we live in. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. So we, uh, we're going to invite you to our table in the back of the, the uh, church there after the service. We have some things back there. We're just with you for two services today. But we've got a lot of things that you can uh, purchase and take home with you that will really help you. So let me just tell you a little bit about that. Um, my story of being a Pharisee is written up in this book, The Pharisee Syndrome. It goes far beyond my testimony. It applies this truth uh, to the church of today. Uh, and I know there's nobody in this church here that needs this book, so buy them for your friends that go to other churches <laughs> in this city here. You know? And uh, you know, Christmas is coming. They make great little stocking stuffers for, for the Pharisee on your Christmas list. <laughs> Also, birthday gifts for Pharisees, too. They just love it when you give them that. <laughs> um, this is, um, what's in here is a flash drive. Now, I am a digitally challenged man. Pastor John and I are together on that. We, we confessed that to each other here today as we were praying, I think it was. So there it is, that little flash drive. My staff has uh, put this together, believe me, not me. But uh, 
It has everything from the table, all the uh, teaching and preaching sets. It has four of my books. We only have two on the table, but four of the books are in here, and then five uh, MP4 videos, uh, or five actually, of more recent messages. And uh, so that's there as well if you want the full meal deal digitally. Um, this set here is called Gifts of the Holy Spirit. We cover the nine gifts of the Spirit in six messages here, I believe, in a way you've never heard them covered before. And I am helped by a, an awesome man of God, Pastor James Hessler from North Dakota. He does two of the messages. His message in here, and by the way, he's, he's 81 years old, and he's still a senior pastor of a church in North Dakota. Uh, he's an amazing man. But his message in here on discerning of spirits is worth the price of the whole set. So that's back there. And then this message of the Father's heart of love. There's five messages in here that drive home the truth. Father God not only loves you, he actually likes you. <laughs> and for a lot of people that have been raised in church, there's a big difference there. I know God loves me. I've got that under control. But don't tell me he likes me. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I had to get through that, too. So this will really help you with the, those truths. Uh, the number four messages in, message in here is called The Prodigals Are Coming Home. And uh, it has helped a lot of people with prodigals. My wife helps me with that message. We tell the story of our three boys. And I'll just give you a real brief version. Our youngest son, Dan, gave a prophecy. Think about this. 16 years old, he gave a prophecy at a youth camp over our family that got fulfilled over the next three and a half years. He said, my brothers are going to uh, stand in the house of God with their hands raised praising God, and they're going to come in from the youngest to the oldest. Within one week of him uttering that, his brother Sam, Dan's number four, Sam's number three, Sam walked an aisle in a church in Minneapolis coming into my arms and into the arms of his heavenly father, and he was hooked on three addictions, drugs, alcohol, and cigarettes. That day, God set him free of all three of those, free of all three of those addictions completely. He hasn't touched one of those substances now in 18 years, hallelujah. Number two son came back two years later, and a year and a half after that, uh, the big fish, our oldest son, <laughs> came all the way back in, and uh, it's a, truly a story of grace. Now, I'm here to tell you that your prodigals are coming home. Can you say amen to that today? Amen. This is our latest newsletter. They're on the table there in a holder. They're free. Just uh, take one with you if you would like to receive our newsletter uh, we send them out every three months. Just sign up on the clipboard there, and you'll start getting them. All right. Well, let's stand up together here, if we could, please. Hallelujah. He's a good God. Amen? Amen. Pray this right out loud. Say, Father, I ask you today. To write your word on my heart. I will serve you and obey. You are my good, good father. And I am your loving child. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God's going to write on me. Go ahead, tell him. And you may be seated. All right, 2 Corinthians. And yes, we've got our PowerPoint up here, chapter 5. Let's read a couple of verses there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself, through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
Look at your neighbor, look them right in the eyes, and tell them, I have the ministry of reconciliation. Tell them. Ooh, ooh, pastor, I like the sound of that. Do you hear what they were saying? Wow. Verse 19, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Wow. I came here today to tell you that if you are a believer here today, you are actually an ambassador. So let's go to the next slide here, please. Everybody scream right out loud here right now. What is an ambassador, doctor? What is an ambassador, doctor? Okay, that's pretty good screaming there. An ambassador is an authorized representative of a king or president who is sent to a foreign culture or nation. An authorized representative. In other words, sent with the authority of the king or the president. Now, I know you realize that at the United States, we have many ambassadors that go to nations all over the world. And when an ambassador is selected, it's a big deal. You might remember in our news here a few months ago, our ambassador to Germany and all the things that went through the news cycle with that. And that ambassador has to become very knowledgeable in the culture, in the customs, in the language of the nation that he or she is going to, right? They have to be able to communicate, and they have to be able to represent the interests of the United States of America in that country, be it Germany or France or Zimbabwe or India or whatever it is. Now, we're telling you, the Apostle Paul is telling us, and I am telling you, that you are an ambassador with just as much responsibility as those nationalistic ambassadors have, you have going forth from the kingdom of God. Because you have the authority of the king behind you. Can you say amen to that today? What is his name? Jesus. Hallelujah. And he has a kingdom. His kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. His kingdom is healing, salvation, redemption, deliverance, all those good things. And you are an ambassador. Now, I would say, just looking at you and uh, studying you a little bit here today, you people here are perfect candidates to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. I mean, you know the language already, right? Right here on the Upper Peninsula, you've lived here varying amounts of time. You know the culture, the customs, you know how people act, what do people do on holidays and birthdays and how do they live life up here? You know all that stuff. We don't have to take you through a three-year course to make you an ambassador to Marquette, Michigan. <laughs> You're already here, and you know this all. Amen? Do you see the genius of God in this? I mean, countries like the United States, they invest millions of dollars in the ambassadors. Oh, they got to be trained, and they got to have this staff, and they got to have all this stuff, and all. Well, God's already done it with all of you, you just need a little bit more training. <laughs> some of you already have had it, and you are going to be some of the most proficient ambassadors that the kingdom has ever seen. 
Look at your neighbor and tell him, I am going to be fruitful. Hallelujah. I believe it. Next slide, please. We're going to go through some very quick uh, ambassadorial trainings here this morning for you, okay? And you will be completely ready. In fact, you'll be able to embark on your ambassador duties already this afternoon <laughs> as you go about your life. Because here's, here's what I want to tell you this morning. There is a movement right now that is sweeping across the body of Christ. I see it so many places where I go. I travel all across America and speak like this. And I'm telling you, there is a movement right now that is projecting and propelling Christians like you to just not necessarily even be on some kind of program, just to be out there in your everyday life with an alertness, with a care and a concern for people, and just a willingness to reach through that wall and touch somebody. When you're at Walmart, when you're at work, when you're filling your car with gas, just stuff like that. Because you know what? I'm, we're all busy, right? Hey, yeah, America, busy, busy, busy. It's the nation that has the most time-saving devices of any other culture on earth, and we have the least time. You know, where, where do we, what do we do with all that time we saved? Well, no, we have to work harder because we need more time-saving devices. Anyway, we're busy. But you know what? Here's the good news. In the midst of all that busyness, if you'll just slow down a little bit, and start watching what's going around about you, you, you aren't even going to have to change your lifestyle for this. All you have to do is follow some of these things I'm going to teach you here right now. first one is this. Listen to those around you when you are out in public, especially when you're shopping, but really anywhere. When you're out in public, just start listening. Just slow down a little bit and start listening. And you'll be amazed at what you hear. Let me tell you a story. <clears throat> Last Christmas, uh, my wife and I did some Christmas shopping. And we bought all our presents. We had them in the van. And we're about to go home. But we said, oh, we're hungry. And she didn't want to cook. I said, I respect that beloved wife. I'll take you to an exquisite fine dining experience. <laughs> Would Arby's be okay? <laughs> she said, okay. <laughs> so here we are sitting in Arby's with our food. And we always pray over our food before we start to honor Jesus. Not to be religious, not to you know, some weird thing with it, just because we love Jesus. And we, and we read the scriptures which say we are to give thanks for the things that we eat. And so we do. So as soon as we finished praying over our meal and started to take a bite, this guy diagonally across from us, this huge guy, starts talking. Now, I... I'm not sure. I think I could have tuned him out. I could have said, I'm tired. I've just spent hours Christmas shopping with my wife. I want to eat this food and go home and veg out on my couch, <laughs> which is really what my flesh wanted to do. But my flesh did not rule. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? Your flesh does not have to rule. So I started listening to this guy. And he was, we had never, my wife and I, neither of us had ever seen him in our lives. And he started talking about church and Christians, because he saw us pray over our food. He, Christians and what happens in churches and how bad it is and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, we got a wounded puppy here. And I just listened. I, I didn't respond. I ate my food and my wife ate hers. And so we were done eating, and I looked over at him. And then the Holy Ghost kicked in, hallelujah. I decided to slow down my Christmas shopping day for this guy, hallelujah. <laughs> and it just all happened in the rough and tumble of life. We weren't on a 
on a, some evangelism program or anything like that. We're just eating at Arby's. So I walked over there and I started talking to him. His name is Jerry and talked a little bit about what's going on in his life. And then, and friends expect this, when you, when you are out there as an ambassador, the Holy Spirit is in you, he is on you, and he is going to operate with his mighty gifts. You don't have to tell him that's happening, you just experience it yourself. And uh, it got to a point with, with, with Jerry where... Um, we had his permission to pray for him. And while I'm praying for him, the Lord just opens him up to me in the spirit. I can see scenes from his life, from his boyhood and adolescent years, and I'm like, whoa. So I just start praying into those and, and uh, releasing some things into there. And he was visibly shaken. And uh, we blessed him, and we... We uh, kind of finished it off, and, and by the way, when you're in these situations, get in quick and get out quick. <laughs> Seriously, out there in the marketplace, because everybody else is busy too. And it doesn't take the Lord hours and hours to make a big impression on a person that is going to draw them all the way into the kingdom, amen? It's true. Uh, but as we were leaving, I just gave him my business card and invited him to our Friday night fire gathering that we have in our building every last Friday of the month because we were fairly close to home. Well, time went by, and uh, about, I think it was five or six weeks later, my wife was in the office at our building, and a phone call came, and it was Jerry. He says, hi, this is Jerry. She says, what Jerry? He says, Jerry from Arby's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she must have talked to him for like a half hour or so. This is what Jerry said. From that one encounter I had with you guys at Arby's, I have come back to the Lord. I have renounced all this stuff in my life that was bad. I was angry with people. I was uh, critically judgmental. I, all this stuff. And he said, it's like I have a new life in Jesus. And so Sherry's rejoicing. And then he says to my wife Sherry, he says, now here's a zinger for you. I'm related to you. <laughs> She's like, what? I've never seen you in my life before that night. Turns out he is the second husband of my wife's sister-in-law's sister. <laughs> I think I said that right, Pastor. Okay. We knew the first husband, and he died, and now this, this sister of my wife's sister-in-law remarried, and we'd never met him. It was Jerry. But one encounter with the power of God released changed the whole thing. Oh, and then he says to my wife, oh, and by the way, don't tell anybody in the family about this. She says, oh, my lips are sealed. <laughs> so, so about a month later, uh, my wife was at a family gathering on her side, and the sister-in-law came up and said, I heard something about you. <laughs> And she said, what was it? It was Jerry. Oh, you know. Everybody knows now about Jerry. Jerry's a new man. He's pleasant with the children. He's in the grandchildren. It's, it's just changed. He's got Jesus now. Hallelujah. And it all just happened from a momentary encounter at Arby's. Isn't that awesome? It really is, but I'm an ambassador, and so are you. Now, let's go to our second one here. <clears throat> if you start doing this very much, you are going to be rejected. I'm training you right now, <laughs> okay? I'm, I'm getting you ready. It will happen. When that happens, you've got to realize something. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting 
some of them are rejecting a whole bunch of stuff from their past life. Some of them may know enough about the gospel and things to be rejecting Jesus. Who knows? But just realize they're not rejecting you. That's very important. So let me give you two kinds of rejection that happen. First of all, soft rejection. That's where they just blow you off and really don't want what you're bringing to them. So I was in Walmart. How many of you love Walmart? Oh, man, what a store. You know? <laughs> I, had my, I think I had my oil changed in my car. And I, so I'm standing in line waiting to pay, and in front of me is this guy with a cap on his head with a big old gold cross on the front of his cap in a resurrection t-shirt front and back, you know, resurrection of Jesus. Like, wow, hallelujah, we got us a believer here, you know. And I'm listening to him, and he's loud. Number one that we just covered, listen to the people around you when you're in public. So I'm standing in line, and I'm listening, and he's talking to his wife. And he's going on and on and on about his back. Oh, my back is killing me. Oh, I can't believe it's this bad. So they pay in the line, and they, and they don't leave. They just kind of stand off to the side in the automotive department there. So I get up, I pay my bill, and I walk over to him. And met him, got his name, and he got mine, and, and I said, hey, I couldn't help you, but hearing you talking about your back. He goes, oh, yeah, man. He said, I've been to Mayo Clinic with it. I've been to uh, Abbott Hospital in Minneapolis. Oh, I've been all over. It's so terrible. And, and he gave me about a 15 to 20 minute, literally, dissertation on his back. And I'm listening. Finally, I got a word in edgewise. And I said, I've seen many people's backs healed when, when I pray for, pray for them. Could I pray for your back? You know what he said? He had just given me a 20-minute dissertation on everything that was wrong with his back. And I said, it'll just take 30, 40 seconds. He said, oh, no, we don't have time for that. <laughs> we got to get going. And he's been standing there in the automotive for now for at least a half hour complaining about his back. Well, what do you do? You salvage whatever you can from the situation. So I look at his wife, and they're, they're turning to go. They're starting to walk away. I catch his wife's eye, and I say to her, you pray for him, because they were believers, you know. I said, you pray for him when you get home. She goes, I will, I will. <laughs> so, I mean, what else do you do? It's a soft rejection. You salvage something out of the situation as the Holy Spirit helps you. Amen? Amen. Now, what about hard rejections? Oh, boy. Those are the tough ones, right? How many of you know what a treasure hunt is? Oh, good, a lot of you. Okay, well, a treasure hunt for the rest of you, a treasure hunt is where you gather together as a group and you wait on the Lord, the way we do it anyway, we have papers that we uh, write down the clues that the Lord gives us. The treasure is people out there that God wants to demonstrate his mercy and grace to somewhere out, you know, in the immediate region. So we are doing this in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And... Uh, so I was, another guy was leading this. I was just a participant. And so I got my paper and I had my clues. And my clues were J.C. Penny, red shirt, um, young child. Those are my three main clues that I had to work with. That my, that's going to help me find the treasure. Well, I step out of the church. And across the street is a J.C. Penney store. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I go walking in there, and it just so happened that day that it was red shirt day for all the employees. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! <laughs> Pastor, that's what you call a target-rich environment. <laughs> you military people. <laughs> okay. I'm like, wow, where do I start? So I went over where the store joined onto the mall, and I just stood there a little bit, and pretty soon this tall young man came in with a red shirt and holding the hand of a young boy. I said, ah, here's my guy. And I just walked up to him and I said, hi, we're doing a treasure hunt here today, and I think you might be the treasure. And you know what he said? 
you get your blankety, blankety, blank, blank off of me and let me alone. And he swung his arm, almost hit me with his arm, not intentionally, swung his arm around, grabbed the kid's hand and went marching off into the mall. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> That's called a hard rejection. So what do you do? You shake it off and you keep moving forward. So I went over and uh, I was looking around in the men's department and I found a red shirt display. That should be a good place to stand. When you have, that's one of your clues and you're in JCPenney, now all you need is a young child, hallelujah. So this couple comes walking up with two young children and the wife was very pregnant. So I stop them and, uh, and they were the treasure. In fact, this baby in her womb was the treasure. Isn't that amazing? So we talk a little while. They're believers. They're, they're a little disgruntled from church and all this, but they are. They're believers. They know Jesus and so forth. And so we wind up praying for this wife and the unborn baby, and they're just, oh, boy, they're ecstatic and, and grateful. So I go back to the church, and with these treasure hunts, what you always do is you gather back together as a group, you know, and give the testimony of what happened and who you found and all this stuff. So I'm telling about this couple. And one of the guys from the church there starts asking questions about the woman. You're saying she was, like, very pregnant, like seven, eight months pregnant. Yeah. And uh, he pulls out his phone and puts a picture on it, and he says, is this her? I said, yeah, that's her right there. He says, that's my cousin. <laughs> and he said, I've been praying for them to come back to God. And through this contact and praying over the unborn baby, this cousin got back into contact with his cousin. They're back in church. They're serving Jesus. Oh, and by the way, the baby, that there were grave concerns about it, having problems, it was delivered perfectly whole, perfectly normal. Hallelujah. Can you give Jesus some praise here today? Give him some glory. Hallelujah. So you salvage something good out of something that seems bad. Amen? All right, number three here. Let's do this one. You are carrying a presence much greater than yourself. Now, some of you are sitting here listening to me today and you're saying, well, you're an international evangelist and you're, you know, and, and I know there's Todd White and there's all these people doing all this stuff, but I'm just me, you know. I'm just this little person here in Marquette. Listen, you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You are a person with a life and with relationships and with activities that are unique to you. Nobody else is going to go the places and do the things that you're going to do this afternoon, this evening, and tomorrow, and right on all through the week. That's why we just believe that the power of Jesus and the presence of the living God, when we hang out in his presence, that presence goes with us. And it actually creates an environment in some very unusual places where people, all of a sudden, they find it's easy to know God. Let me tell you another story. I was ministering up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Now listen, if God can move in Grand Forks, North Dakota, <laughs> he can move anywhere, amen? It's cold up there. You guys are tropical here compared to Grand Forks, okay? <laughs> and uh, we were having a wonderful time in the meetings. And on Saturday, the pastor called me and said, hey, let's go to lunch. So we go to lunch. We're sitting in our booth, and our waiter comes up. His name is Ryan. He's very apologetic. He's, I'm just my second day on the job. I don't know that I can serve you well and all this. And we're, we're calming him down and, and, you know, Ryan, you're going to do great. It's going to be okay. And he did. He did a great job. We got our food. We ate our food. And now he's coming for the last run. That's when they bring the bill, say goodbye, you know, so forth and so on. Restaurant protocol, right? We are not on any kind of official soul-saving mission or anything like that. We're just eating food in a restaurant. But there's a presence that goes with us. 
And as Ryan was coming, there was a kind of a long aisle that he had to walk in, in the restaurant to get to us. And as he's coming toward us, something just opened up from the presence of the living God. And I saw Ryan with the eyes of Jesus. I, I don't know how else to describe it. And he came and he stood and he put the bill down on the, on the table. And I looked up at him and I said, Ryan, you've done such a beautiful job serving us here today. And I didn't have to lie. By the way, you know, sometimes you have to lie about it. You spilled coffee all over you. No, no, he really did well. And I said, could we just, these are the words I said. I didn't say you need to get saved. I didn't say you need to come back to Jesus. And sometimes you do need to say that. But I didn't with him. I said, can we pray a prayer of blessing over you? He said, oh, would you? So I practiced what I preached. I prayed about a 40-second prayer of blessing over him. The pastor did the same thing from the other side of the table. When the last word of that prayer came out of the pastor's mouth, Ryan falls to his knees at the end of the table there, throws his hands up in the air and exclaims out loud in the restaurant, Oh God, I'm coming back to you. I can't stay away from you any longer. I'm coming home. Ah. We're like, whoa, dude. We're watching this happen. And right behind him is this huge table of ladies that he was also, it was some kind of group that he was waiting on. He didn't care. A prodigal came home to Jesus by stepping into the presence. Hallelujah. The pastor and I carried into that restaurant. Can you say amen to that? I wonder what's going to happen in Walmart and Shopco and... and uh, uh, what are your stores here? Market One. I saw a Market One. When you guys carry this presence in there with you and people come in the zone, hallelujah, get ready. It's going to be good. Okay, quickly, one more, if I could, please, from no, uh, number three here. This one is so good. In those meetings in Grand Forks, there was this one lady from the church there that was really getting into it. And so on Friday night, I, uh, I trained them and I sent them out. And she, she did the assignment and she uh, ministered to her person. She got up and testified about it. Then on Sunday morning, which was the last service in that series, I'm walking down the aisle with the pastor to start the service. And she stops me. She says, oh, Brother Nichols, I've got another one. Can I tell it this morning? I'm like, sure, I'll call you up. So I call her up to give this testimony, and this is what she said. She said, last night, I went home from the meeting, this would be Saturday night now, and she said, I was hungry, so I called for a pizza. She said, while I'm ordering the pizza, I tell them what I want, and the pizza manager says, will there be anything else, ma'am? <laughs> Are any of you, dear Christian believers, who are full of the Holy Spirit listening with your ears here, with, your, with the ears of your heart, will there be anything else, ma'am? She says, yes, there's one more thing. She said, I have to pray for somebody real soon. <laughs> and the pizza manager says, I don't know what to do with that, but I'll tell your driver. <laughs> Thirty minutes later, 23-year-old Angela comes walking up the steps with the pizza. Our lady opens the door, takes the pizza, pays her, and then she says, did your manager say anything to you about prayer? Angela bursts into tears. Angela stepped into the presence. She burst into tears. She started weeping. A prodigal came home. Our lady grabs her in her arms, starts loving the father's love into her. A prodigal comes home delivering a pizza on the steps of a house when she thought she was just a pizza delivery person. How good is that? Give Jesus some more praise in here. Hallelujah. What a good God. All right, one more and then we'll be done here. Ambassadorial training number four. Okay, remember, you are an ambassador. Every ambassador we send out 
lives in a place called an embassy. And why do people go to the embassy, let's say in Germany or in India or in France or anywhere else? Why do they go there? They want a visa. They, there are a few other reasons, but the big reason why most people go is they need a visa. <laughs> what if your house, home where you live, became an embassy in your neighborhood where people could come to get visas <laughs> to come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God's dear son? Hallelujah. Why, Pastor, we got enough people here. All, the whole Marquette would be filled with embassies here. Now, I'll close with this. I'm not home very often on Saturday mornings. But when I am, this is my prayer. Oh, God, send me some Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> some of you are going, no, no. Yes, yes. How many people will drive their vehicle to your embassy and park in front and come knock on your door and say, hey, I want to talk about spiritual things. Can we talk about the Bible? You say, well, they have an ideology, you know, and they got Jesus all wrong, and, they, you know, and I know. But you know what I found in, in uh, speaking with them in my embassy? They really need love. They are, they are, if you think I trained you about rejection here today, they get trained 10 times harder against rejection in the kingdom hall for their stuff that they do. And uh, when they enter a house, I know this by experience, and they're not rejected, but rather they're loved. It's amazing what can start to happen. Now, I can't tell you, I've, I've got a bunch of them over the line, but we've got some that are in process, and one of them is an elder in our local kingdom hall there. Uh, one more time, everybody scream right out loud, how far out of your mind are you, doctor? <laughs> I'm believing for a revival in the kingdom hall in my territory there, <laughs> hallelujah. Because Jesus loves them. Yes, they have an ideology, but you have one too. It just happens that yours is right. <laughs> you know, it come, comes out of the correct interpretation of Scripture that Jesus was not created by Father God and all, you know, all their other stuff. But, but arguing over that for hours and hours usually doesn't get you anywhere, but love does. One of the encounters I had in my embassy with this, this elder was uh, I was telling him about signs and wonders and miracles. He was like, well, you know, we know about that, but that all stopped, you know, when the New Testament was written. I said, really? He said, yeah, it says it right in the Bible. And, and I, I, to get to this point, I had been loving him, not rejecting him, not, you know, one-upmanship on him. And... Uh, and his son was right next to him, and they're high tech. He had a tablet there that had all their prearranged scriptures on, and he's going on the tablet. And I said, while he's doing that, I said, it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the boy gets to me, he goes, Dad, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <laughs> he goes, wait, you told me first before he told me. I said, I know. I told you that because I love you. And that's not really what 1 Corinthians 13 means, but... This love of God is coming to address you in your deepest needs, in your deepest heart. And it gives me these encounters I have with these, and we, they kind of fluctuate at our place because we get put on the blacklist, you know, don't go there, you know. But, but they do come around sometimes. But whoever comes around, I'm telling you, your house is an embassy. And think about it. When you're in your own house, your own place, you, what you say goes there. 
That's a little different than Walmart or even at work. I mean, this, this is your house. No, I'm not telling you to be authoritarian. I'm not telling you to be you know, rude and all of that, but just have some backbone with you and, and, and stand for what is right and stand for what is good and let love come out because Jesus has a purpose in every single person that comes into your house. Can you say amen to that? And you are an ambassador. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up together, please. <clears throat> Maybe you're here today and you've been listening to all of this. And you're saying, man, I just need to make that first step and actually enter into this kingdom. It's a kingdom that you cannot see with your physical eyes. It's different than the kingdoms of this world. It's the kingdom of God. And Jesus told a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3 all about this, and that the way that you enter in is by repenting and calling on the name of the Lord. How can I see the kingdom of God? That's how. How can I enter the kingdom of God? By believing in Jesus, the Son of God. By trusting in the reality that he died on a cross. The only one who had no sin died for our sin. All of us who had sin. A great transfer had to take place that day. And it did. But my friend Jesus did not stay in his tomb. On the third day, he came out in power, called the resurrection. And it is that truth that has established Christianity and the, and the message of Jesus and the truth of the Bible for the whole world and for you here today. What you have to do is you have to repent and call on the name of the Lord. Repent simply means stop the direction you're going, turn around and go in the other direction. And you call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says if you will believe that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, you can be saved. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how you've blown it, or maybe you've, maybe you've had a great upright life. Your uprightness by itself is not going to save you. You have to have Jesus. You have to have the cross and the resurrection of Jesus and be brought into his kingdom. And maybe you're here today and you were in all of this at one time and now you've drifted away. Friend, I'm here to tell you today God loves you. He loves you so much that he's drawing and pulling you by your heart. So I want to ask you to do this simple thing. If you're here and you realize that one of these two cases is you, either for the first time or it's time for you to come back and all the way back in. And you want to do that today. I want you to just raise your hand up, if you could, please, right where you are. Then just raise your hand so I can see it. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy, Lord Jesus. Your loving kindness that is better than life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. God bless you, young man in the back there, very young man. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask you to do one more thing. Those of you that raised your hands, would you just do something that's very, very important? Yes, son, come. Just come on up here to the front. Yeah. In the orange shirt there. Yep. Amen. Yes. You too, sir. Come on up. It's time. Yeah. You. Yep. Hallelujah. Give Jesus some more praise here today. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. It takes some courage to walk up here like that. Anybody else you want to join him up here? It's a day to come into the Father's presence. Sons, that's what you guys are. Sons of the Father.
in his love and in his mercy. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to all pray a prayer together. I want all of you in, in the seats back there to help us with this prayer, but especially you three guys. The words of your mouth and what you say are so important, especially in this moment. Hey, here comes another one. God bless you, buddy. <laughs> Give Jesus some more praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to say this right out loud as a prayer. Open your mouth and say these words. Father, say it right out loud. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I confess that I am a sinner. I've rebelled against you and broken your laws. But I ask for the blood of Jesus to cover all my sins. Lord Jesus, I receive you today as Lord of my life, as my Savior, as my very best friend. I thank you today, Father, for loving me and bringing me to this moment so that I can be in your kingdom. I thank you for this salvation that is inside me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise here today.